You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. downloading another episode of Core Curriculum. Uh, This is our show on the Christian Humanist Radio Network dedicated to slow reading. If you've been listening along, you know we've been working our way through Homer's Iliad, and this episode will deal with books 21 and 22 of that poem. We're almost to the end here, and here to uh, bring the poem really to its high episode and to kill Hector, spoiler alert, although it's 3,000 years old, uh, I have a couple friends here. One of them is Jay Eldred. Jay, how are things today? Oh, the summer's winding down. The school year's about ready to begin, so I've been in my classroom for about the last two weeks, but things are going great. Oh, man. I, I spent about two weeks in my wife's new classroom this summer moving furniture, so I'm, I'm glad to be in my office again. Uh, also joining us is someone who uh, already on email earlier today mocked me because uh He's not going to be teaching classes for a spell now because he is on sabbatical. And that is uh, Dr. Todd Pedler, professor of physics at Luther College. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. And yep, <laughs> I got 12 and a half months to uh, do lots of things. But, uh, you know, sabbatical is not rest, uh, despite the, 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 the way the name would uh, would indicate. No, it's research. It's research. I, on the other hand, Indeed. Are, have already taught my first classes and uh, I'm mm-hmm. getting ready to teach another batch. So, well, at any rate, uh, today's subject matter, as I said, is books 21 and 22 of the Iliad. So let's jump in, shall we? All right. First of all, I mean, you know, this is Achilles at his force of nature, you know, furious peak, right? Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, I, I'm going to hand it off to Jay first. I mean, you know, eventually he's going to fight a river, spoiler alert, although it's a 3,000-year-old book, so there's not much <laughs> to spoil. Uh, how do we get to this battle against the river itself? You mean aside from, you know, more violence? <laughs> well, what, well what, what, specific what specific kind of violence? Kind of violence? <laughs> oh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. I mean... He's, they're obviously they're fighting outside of Troy. They keep sending men after after Achilles. Achilles just you know plows through them and drives them back into the river and says, you know what, this isn't enough, and chases them into the river. So you know he's he's literally out of his mind with rage. Yeah, I mean you get a sense that you know the conventions, although Homer never spells it out, but the conventions of warfare seem to be that if you drive your enemy into a body of water, you stop there. Uh, Achilles doesn't because, as you said, he's mad at this point. Um, Trying to think, I mean, you know, Todd, I mean, you know, when when the river actually gets angry, again, I I guess the question I want to ask is, I mean, you know, what kind of world are we living in where a river gets angry that you're killing too many people between its banks? Well, I mean, this this is a river god, right? So this is a uh, this is one who has a stake in in all kinds of uh, in all kinds of matters, and presumably, uh, this god being the river that is uh, the river on which Troy is 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 situated is is you know again has a role of protection, has a role of. Uh, um, they, these people are dear to him. I, I, it is him, right? <laughs> I, I think that's it, it a pronoun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like many other things in the in the Greek in the Greek world, um, there is a personification of this of this entity, this river, um, in terms of a god. Uh, there are gods associated with with fire and wind and so forth, and so this is this is no different. Um, uh, it is God who, uh, who, uh, I was going to say ebbs and flows, but that's too natural. Um, 
but but the you know the 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 force of a river is a great one for um, for uh, the peoples the ancient peoples of the world and so the to see a god as inhabiting or as being you know as being bound up in a river isn't terribly surprising um, the fate of the land is is wholeheartedly bound up in what the river does on an annual basis and so when it floods the the you know the there is someone to be appeased and when it dries up there's someone to be appeased uh, probably the rain clouds I suppose as we hear of, of, of the, the you know the 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 sky um, being the source of, of, of the river um, at some point in this book I couldn't put uh, put myself to a line but um, uh, you know, a river rages when a river is flowing hard. It's 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 it, again. It's easy to see there being a personified force there, and that's exactly what we see um, as as Achilles is uh, tramping around among all these bodies which are in the river. And Jay, I want to kick it over to you because one difference that I see when the river god. And, and I, I couldn't tell if there's one river god with two names or two river gods. I, I In my translation, I've got the Xanthus and I've got the Scamander. And I, yeah, I, they're the same. Okay, they're the same. Thank you, thank you. Like many things, right? There are, uh, you know, I, I believe, and I didn't, I didn't look into this, but I, I, I do believe the fact that there are two names for this river is one of these devices that are often used in Greek poetry where you've got multiple names for the same person so you can fit them into the meter. Right, the same through of, of, of Achilles and, and um, call him Peleon or you call him Peleides. Those are all fit differently in terms of in terms of the rhyme scheme. So right. having multiple names didn't surprise me. That makes sense. So now, for real, I'm going to kick it to Jay. Because what I'm curious about is that even in book 22 here, and, and listeners, if you've been with us for several episodes, you know that this recurs throughout the poem when the gods appear and disappear on the battlefield, I mean, that's that seems to be an allegorical treatment for those sort of unpredictable, intangible things that make battles go one way or the other. This seems a little bit different because Xanthus Scamander has a definite boundary. Uh, Xanthus doesn't really get involved as a character until stuff starts going down between the banks, right? Uh, do you think there's, or certainly there's something to that. What do you think there is going on there? I'm thinking along the lines that everything is starting to, to culminate. You know, the, the big battle that we were promised all the way back in book one is finally getting ready to ready to occur. And so as we get more to the point when everything is going to go down, then the gods themselves become more physical. So taking more of an active role in making sure the players get to their appointed places. Or, in Xanthus' cases, perhaps trying to avoid it. That makes some good sense. It does. Taz, is there anything you would add to that? Well, it's interesting to me. So, you know, going along with what I had said about about this being Troy's river, right? This is the river that is, um, you know, a river is often a boundary marker of some sorts, but it's also a measure of protection. And, you know, as Achilles, I mean, Achilles is just wiping out these people, right? I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it happens in, the, in, the, in the, the, the tail end of 20 and the tail end of 21 especially is, you know, is very, uh, if I'm remembering that, right? Uh, is it the tail end of 21? No, it must be the tail end of 20 that I'm thinking of where he's yeah, just... Yeah, end of 20, beginning of forward, 21, yeah. You know, just marauding, you know, running rampant over them. And um, we know that something's going to happen. We, we, we know, you know, the, 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 the people have been divided, right? There's this, this mist which was brought down, which is, you know, the usual mechanism for saving somebody. And they split, you know, they split the, 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 the warriors and the, the, the half that Achilles, or the part that Achilles is chasing, chases them into the river. We know that it's either going to end in them dying on the battlefield in, you know, or, or perhaps in the river, there's going to be some final stand that comes up because he's progressing towards Troy. And so it seems to me that the, the, the mechanism here is one of, you know, another line of defense because we're going to see a couple of more, right. There's going to be a couple more until Hector is sort of the last one. And so here is a place where we've got a God um, stepping in as it were, uh, as you say, you know, not he didn't, you know, he didn't jump out of the banks. He waited until he was being intruded upon. And that makes him different from the Olympian gods. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Sure. Um, but I, but I, you know, again, I can't help but think that there is something about the nature of this river as being partially a defense mechanism for Troy uh, in battle. And so this is that, that factor being personified. Before we get to the actual battle against Xanthus, I do want to dwell for a moment. Uh, and I'm long about line 110 in my translation. It'll probably be different depending on the English edition. Uh, but this speech of Achilles uh, struck me because one of the Trojans, and I've, I didn't jot down the name, uh, has basically asked him, all right, you know, you've driven us into the river you know, for the sake of, you know, your own reputation, for the sake of civilization, will you stop, you know, and just take us prisoner? And in the uh, Fagel's translation, I mean, this is how Achilles answers. Fool, don't talk to me of ransom, no more speeches. Before Patroclus met his day of destiny, true, it warmed my heart a bit to spare some Trojans. Uh, droves I took alive and auctioned off as slaves, but now not a single tr- Trojan flees his death, not one the gods hand over to me before your gates, none of all the Trojans, sons of Priam least at all. Come, friend, you too must die, why moan about it so? Even Patroclus died, a far, far better man than you. And look, you see how handsome and powerful I am, the son of a great man, the mother who gave me life, a deathless goddess. But even for me, I tell you, death and the strong force of fate are waiting." So it's interesting, I mean, and, you know, it's a different kind of battle boast than sometimes we associate with these texts, right? I mean, you think of the Spartan boasts at, you know, uh, Thermopylae, they they tend to be very fatalistic, and this has that same kind of flavor, right? Uh, You know, uh, the gods are coming to kill you, I'm just holding the spear. Mm. Uh, So again, I mean, you know, we can go to other literary texts. We can go to cinema. How does this stack up against other uh, great, just before you start killing people, boasts? Hmm. It's definitely no band of brothers. I, I, are you talking about Henry V or are you talking about the yes. miniseries? Okay, go ahead. Say more. Well, number one, Achilles, if I recall correctly, he's alone. Yes, indeed. But there again, even with, um, with Henry V, he... He mentions dying, you know, he that he that survives the day will in ages and ages hence, you know, sit around the fire and tell these stories. But Achilles makes makes his death part of the narrative. He knows his death is coming and it's coming sooner rather than later. It's in a way it's almost he's almost saying, don't feel too bad. I'm going to be joining you shortly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're right. King Hal. I mean, he assumed or his speech assumes even if he's being disingenuous, that everyone's coming home. Achilles says, right. no, nobody's coming home. We're, <laughs> we're all going to die here. Um, along, along with that, one thing that struck me, well, throughout the book, but especially in the, in the two books we're talking about today, is are all the references to the, to the hollow ships and just how hollow all of these people really are. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing, knowing what they know, they still go through the motions and you know, do what they're supposed to do, but what is the point? Hmm. Todd, do you want to answer that or leave it rhetorical? Well, it's definitely a rhetorical question. I've got no good answer for that, but because uh, all I think of, you know, I mean, the, the hollow ships. Why? Why? Why are they the hollow ships? I mean, they're intended to bring intended to bring booty back, right? I mean, that's the you know the idea. That that is the idea, but you know we we know the rest of the story. They're not yes, right. much that at all. <laughs> no, no, right, they are. Right. Oh goodness, the more you know, the more I think about this, the more I wish. Um, this is a total aside, of course, but it's, it has to do with the Odyssey, so it's not really an aside. Um, in teaching the Odyssey, I wish I could also teach the Iliad before it just to give the context just to give the you know to give the whole thing and if you will um because as i you know i've been reading this along with uh, you know the, the the shows being dropped as it were i'm i'm just reminded of how many things my students don't know when they read the odyssey and they don't get the backstory um yeah no i like that 
image of emptiness, though, um, and and wonder if there's something intentional in in that repeated reference. Well, sure. I mean, one particular moment in the Odyssey that I mean, I think we've got to talk about is that uh, once Odysseus comes across Achilles in Hades, Achilles isn't nearly as sanguine about his own demise. Mm, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, you asked about the the Trojan that was speaking to Achilles here at this point. It's sure. Lycaon. I mean, it's Lycaon. Yeah. Who um, has a history, right? Was you know was has a history with Achilles. Achilles had captured him and sold him off. That's sold right. Him that's off right. As a slave. And and so you know the back and forth there. You know the 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 speaking of ransom and whatever. You know I mean this is just Achilles saying, well, okay, fine. So you were bought back for your freedom. Too bad. <laughs> you know. You know. Um, and I do I do love the, uh, the 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 friend you shall die also uh, um, uh, uh, tone there. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty amusing. Well, say a little bit more about that, Todd, because I, I took it earnestly, uh, and I, and it might oh. be just because I taught Nietzsche this summer, so I got this <laughs> idea of you know these ancient Greek warriors with their noble enemies and so on and so forth. the The way you just spoke it, it was kind of a uh, a grim joke. I think it's a taunt. I mean, I I, I read it anyway as, um. You know, you see how big, well, okay, so let me read it in my translation, because it is different. This is Lattimore. I think, Jay, that's what you have, is that right? Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, so friend, you die also. Why all this clamor about it? Patroclus is also dead, who is far better than you are. Do you not see what a man I am? How huge, how splendid, and born of a great father, and the mother who bore me immortal. Yet even I also have my death and my strong destiny, and there shall be a dawn or an afternoon or a noontime when some man in the fighting will take the life from me also, either with a spear cast or an arrow flown from the bowstring. He's, it's, to me, this is just a, um, you know, if I'm going to die, so will you, you know, uh, so, you know, don't make anything of it because I even have to die. So, you know. I, I I just hear the continual. I I guess I I didn't get the sense that you did uh, of there being okay. more of an equality. I kind of felt like this was still a put down. Mm-hmm. That makes some sense. That makes some sense. Go ahead, Jay. Well, I I thought the same thing as Todd. I'm reading it, and he's again glorying in his strength. Look how great and strong I am, and even I'm fated to die. What makes you better than me? You know, going even going back to that attitude in book one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes some sense. That makes some sense. Well, guys, I, once we start talking about fighting rivers, uh, all bets are off. So anything you guys want to say before we actually start swinging swords at bodies of water? <laughs> just just as an aside, because it's been bugging me since since you said it, you asked what kind of a, a, a river god or what kind of a god would inhabit a river in such a way. And the only thing that I've been able to think of since then is... Um, Spirited Away, the Hao Miyazaki film, in which a river god plays mm. a central, a central point in that, in that plot. Well, say a little bit more. What kind of common ground do you see? What kind of departure do you see? Well, the you don't really find out he's he's a river god till the end of the film. So I guess spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. You know, I think it's thirty <laughs> years old now, something like that. Anyway. Yeah, we're safe. So in 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 the film, this. This river god at one point saves the life of a little girl or saves some saves something about her, and then later in life, th- through a series of events, they're reconnected, and the film is about you know rediscovering family and things like that. So it's you know it's a huge departure. You know, there's nothing in common between a Japanese children's movie, which still touches on adult themes, and a Greek epic, but you know. It's the whole idea of a river god taking physical action in the human world. I gotcha. I gotcha. Todd, anything to add there? No, no. Just that there were, you know there are two images that were brought to mind as as I read through this particular this particular battle or 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 what have you. And one is from Lord of the Rings, of course. Although that's not a god, that's just but the horses, you know, the horses that are called forth. You know, crushing the uh, uh, you know the well the ability or stopping the ability, I guess, of the uh, uh, 
the wraiths to come to 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 come get the band, as it were. The other thing has nothing to do with any uh, anything, as it were. It's what, the line which says, "Lie there now among the fish." I'm of course thinking of the Godfather. <laughs> of course, um, of course. <laughs> uh, Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Yes. Well, and it, it gets very graphic at that point, right? I mean, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to bury him among the slime. They won't be able to bury his bones. I'm going to bury him so deep. I mean, the the river here, I mean, is declaring war on Achilles. I mm-hmm. know, uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and and you know, the funny thing is, the first thing that he complains about is my beautiful waters have now been defiled with all of these bodies. The loveliness of my waters is crammed with corpses. I cannot find a channel to cast my waters into the bright sea, since I am congested with dead men you kill so brutally. Let me alone, then, Lord of the people. I am confounded. Which, I, I, again, I'm not sure how literally to take that image, but it sounds almost mm. like Achilles has built a beaver dam out of dead Trojans. <laughs> That's the way I took it. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, you know, we, we, so, you know, the river rises up in the form of a man. It does battle with Achilles. And what struck me here, and you guys can tell me, I mean, what, uh, what grabbed your attention is the fact that Achilles, who up to this point has been a force of nature on his own, at this point is being overcome by another character in the story, even though those characters are gods, right? Uh, you know, the river's, uh, overwhelm him toss him about eventually double team him when one of the tributaries jumps into the fight uh and eventually uh Hera and Hephaestus come in and sort of do a you know pro wrestling run in and you know rescue Achilles (laughs) from these rivers uh again I I mean you know first of all I mean you know just on a literal level trying to picture this is just amazing and like I said this probably shows what kind of TV I watched as a kid, but I did Im- imagine this happening in a WWF ring. Uh, but uh, and the rest of the four horsemen come in. Yeah, yeah there, you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Jay, I mean, you know, what, what grabbed your attention in this battle with the river or the rivers as a as case may be? Well, obviously it was the fact that he's struggling for one of the first times in, in this book not just book 21, but in the entire thing, he has to fight to stay on his feet. It's not, you know, for lack, for pardon the pun, it's not smooth sailing. There <laughs> on the river. Um, and I wonder if part of it might have to do with, um, now the word escaped me, with a, like genealogy or heritage, because Achilles always brings up his parentage. And how he's descended from the gods and descended from the immortals. But if I read my translation correctly, I believe the river is a son of Zeus. And that might just be mm-hmm. a metaphor. But but if it's actual genealogy, you know, going mm. according to the Greek myth, perhaps he has a bit more of that of that spunk or that fighting spirit from from Zeus. Yeah, I mean, that would work as an allegory or as a genealogy, right? Because, I mean, in some sense, a river is a son of Zeus in that the water comes from the sky to fill the river. Uh, But you're right. I mean, you know, uh, since Achilles so often, you know, mentions his great-grandfather was Zeus and that his mother was a river god, you know, these are the rivers saying, we are river gods. And also we've got Zeus in our parentage, too. A lot of people, too, don't think that that's uncommon. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there's, uh, you know, one of these, one of the two that uh, Achilles kills here uh, that are named is a son of a river himself. If I, if I recall correctly, a different one, Axios, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the thing that, that struck me really was sort of the... uh, well, first of all, there's you know as as is common um, uh, throughout this poem, uh, you know the detail of the description of death or near death is is very colorful, right? I mean, the whole you know that you can you can picture this raging river um, making it impossible for anyone, even as strong a, a person as Achilles, just by force of nature, to stand and 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 keep his feet. 
Um, but I find it interesting at the end of this passage, um, down toward line 280, uh, that he is, you know, lamenting the fact that he might just die by being drowned by this river. Right. Right. He's going to die this dismal death. Uh, this dismal death I am doomed to be caught in, trapped in a big river as if I were a boy in a swineherd, swept away by a torrent when he tries to cross in a rainstorm. Um, what are, you know, I mean, there again, we're, we're going back to this, this notion of the pride and the honorable death, and this wouldn't be one. Right, right. I think the other thing that strikes me is that when Hephaestus jumps in, uh, we get things that on a literal level, make the narrative impossible because Hephaestus defeats the rivers by boiling them, but Achilles is still in there. <laughs> so I, right. you know, uh, if you don't read this as an allegory, uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Or does it? I mean, is there a way to read that that doesn't turn Achilles into soup? What? <laughs> It, it's 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 got to be a resembling booyah base right now. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <laughs> don't go too far with that. Um, but you know, this I, I'm picturing this bloody uh, boiling river with all these bodies in it, and yeah, you got a problem there with with Achilles, and uh, you know, unless he's unless he's out, but he's clearly still in. Well, the other thing that. Uh, strikes me at the end here of book 21 is that uh, I think for the first time in the poem, although I might be forgetting other episodes, so guys help me if I'm just forgetting episodes, uh, but you finally get the face-off that I've been waiting for the whole poem, which is Athena versus Ares, uh, (laughs) which is the greater war god, and the answer is undisputably Athena. Uh, You know, I mean, up to this point, Athena has been... uh, strategizing she's been inspiring diomedes on the battlefield she has been doing all of the things that win wars but here Ares just stands toe-to-toe with her and he can't i mean she lays him out uh so i mean i i think it's fascinating that you know Ares is the god of war and you know when a character is in a berserker rage he always gets compared to Ares. and yet when it comes down to it uh when he you know when the when he's shield to shield with Athena, he doesn't come out well. <laughs> one one note that I that I wrote down was that the gods' performances don't don't equal their capabilities. Say more about that. <laughs> well, it, it, it's quite similar to what you had said. You you have the two warrior, two warriors in almost any culture. When you equate someone to the god of war, that is like the, the manliest macho thing that you could equate them to. And he's defeated by the goddess of wisdom. Which but also a, also a god of war. Also a god of war. Let's also, be. But, she, but, but more, but more, more attuned to, to knowledge. I mean, yes, Athena has her, has her moments. I think also as well, in some ways, the gods are almost a farce. <laughs> I mean, they, they are. Yeah. Because what, what, what do they really have to lose other than, other than standing on Olympus? You know, they're, they're fighting, but it's almost like a, oh, I've heard the word somewhere, a, a tragic comedy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Milton picks up on this in, in Paradise Lost, right? I mean, you know, the, he's definitely borrowing Homeric images, uh, but he has the demons and the angels just, you know, knocking the crap out of each other. But then they get right back up because you can't kill something that doesn't have a body. And I mean, I, I I have to think that he is basically turning Homer up to 11 here because, Jay, I think you're right that, you know, these gods are immortal and they do not want for anything. So therefore, the only thing they have to fight for is basically bragging rights. Mm. Tom, yeah, what do you I, make I, of all this? I, yeah. I, well, I, I wrote in this, so a couple of things I wrote in the margins here. Um, is this is this is a rather farcical battle here? I mean, uh, you know, I, I I definitely appreciated the fact that um, <laughs> you know Athena took Ares to town, um, but you know the thing here, you know, if what's next is Hera and Artemis, right? What a stupid fight! 
I mean, uh, you know, Hera comes out and calls Artemis a shameless hussy um, in this translation. I don't know what Fagels would say there, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I like that one better it's already, like so I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> How have you had the daring, you shameless hussy, to stand up and face me? Um but, you know, there's not much of a fight there. And I, you know, I, I also wrote down how reverent really is Homer, uh, you know, because this is just a joke um, that's going on. Beside, you know, but there, there's no there's no honor in this battle uh, in, 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 between these gods. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a very, very pointedly different kind of fight, it seems to me. Um, in fact, Artemis, you know, at the end, Artemis runs away crying. Right, <laughs> leaves her yeah. archery set by the, by the by the side of the river, leaves it to her mom to pick up after her. <laughs> it's just it's just nuts. And then you've got Apollo and Poseidon who go toe to toe. So yeah, I mean you know this book twenty one. I mean you know the the gods go crazy to to cite the title of an eighties movie. But uh, yeah, I mean you know. I, I don't think it's a coincidence, Todd, that, I mean, whenever Plato wants to make a point about what amounts to his monotheism, he always goes to Homer for a reductio ad absurdum. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, is there anything else in uh, Book 21 you want to talk about before we turn the corner and uh, kill Hector? I had one question, um, and that is, it's it's been so... You know, I've read I've read the Iliad before and just read these two books for this particular episode, so I can't remember. But um, in about line five fifty of book twenty one, Achilles is referred to as Sacker of Cities, which is the name I always associate with Odysseus because that's how he's referred to several times in the Odyssey. Is there is, are, are there more places where Sacker of Cities is applied to Achilles? Earlier on, I don't remember it. I haven't been paying attention to his epithets, so I I don't know offhand. I mean, I, I, first of all, I mean, I imagine, you know, as far as the epic recitation, that's probably a handy half line uh, (laughs) when you're trying to, you know, wait for the next beat to come around. Yeah, uh, Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I didn't notice that, you know, that's something that gets applied to both of those kings. Jay, do you have anything on that? No. All right, all right. So. Uh, listeners, you know, if you want to email in and, you know, answer that question, certainly we'd be glad to hear an answer, but I do want to get to the death of Hector because this is such a stylized book of the poem. Uh, you know, I mean, as Todd noted before, I mean, book 20 into book 21, uh, I actually got a little bit irritated at, you know, Michael Farmer for dividing things up this way because it... (laughs) It, it doesn't just go mid-episode into book 21. It goes mid-sentence into book 21, right? Uh, you know, book 21 I, in the Fagel's translation begins. But once they reach the ford, it's like, what? Okay, what, what's the first half of that sentence? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, when you get to 22, though, I mean, it becomes so stylized because you begin with formal laments uh, from the father of Hector and from the mother of Hector and so on and so forth. So, I mean, uh, you know, of course, everyone who is hearing the Iliad recited there in the 8th century BC knows the story of the Trojan War, knows that Hector's going to die, so on and so forth. So, you know, we're not uh, in spoiler alert territory. Uh, And yet, like I said, compared to that move from book 20 to book 21, there's a decided break, there is a prologue, and then there is the act, and then there's the aftermath. Um, as far as the form of this thing, I mean, you know, what else is there to say about it? Uh, Todd, I'll let you start off on this one. Well, I, so it, it, I I remarked the same way. In fact, so when I said I read two books, I actually did read three because I read the whole of 20 just to give me, you know, the context for the beginning of that first, that first sentence of 21. Um, here it, it definitely, you have, there, there's a, a distinct pause, um, you know the uh, even the even the language that is used at the very beginning of book twenty two is indicative of there being a, a, a moment of time of some length that has occurred, and now we know what's coming. We know what's coming. It's going to be the fateful battle. Uh, that's all that we got left in some in in, in 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 some sense. That's what we've been looking forward to all all the all the while. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and this book, that, that's all we deal with in this book, right, is the death, you know, uh, uh, the death of Hector um, at its at its center, really. Um, so we've got, a, you know, another one of these slow buildups, if you will, uh, the, you know, the action and then the aftermath. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't have any more on, 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 on that. Jay, what would you add? When I was reading it, it reminded me of a Michael Bay movie. Say more. <laughs> well, it you've you've got this the the slow the slow introduction, then you have you have the parents pleading with their children to do something <laughs> the child doesn't want to, and then and then about the middle third you've got you've got your your uh, conflict with you know what passes for explosions in the Greek in the Greek <laughs> epic, and then. It just kind of, you know, book 22 just kind of ends. Right, right. But it doesn't end with the death of Hector. I mean, it ends with, again, a sequence, not just one lament, but a sequence of formal laments, right? So, again, I mean, there is, and I don't want to push this analogy too far, but there is almost a liturgical character to this book, right? Mm. Uh, You know, everyone takes their turns lamenting after the death of Hector. Well, there's there's one negative space that I want to talk about. And honestly, I, I, I've taught this book a few times and I've certainly read it a few times, but this is the first time I've really noticed this. And that is the fact that when Achilles uh, comes towards Hector, he is this force of nature with all of his wrath. Hector comes at Achilles with all of his fury, but then Hector pauses and he has this moment of private reflection uh, that I'd never really noticed before. And then, this is the negative space, is that in other episodes, when the tide of battle has turned, a lot of times you have some god, whether it be Ares, Athena, Poseidon, whoever else, who makes the battle turn a certain way. Here, all of the action is psychological action. Uh, No god makes Hector run around the city of Troy three times. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I might be overplaying this, but I feel like the poem is turning this into a different kind of event than the other turns of the battle. Jay, what do you think? Could it be that Homer was foreshadowing Hector's abandonment by the gods? I think it could be. Make that case. Make that case. Where, where, as you said, where every other time something like this happens, you have a god or goddess acting in some way. And then in these four or five lines, they don't show up when you would expect them to. We, we haven't been told Hector's been abandoned yet, but, you know, we know it's coming. Right, right. Todd, what do you say? Well, okay, so um, lines might be helpful for our listeners to, to, to connect the dots here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, so I'm, I'm searching in my mind for the abandonment um, not being made apparent early on because the, 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 the scales of fate have been cast against him before much happens. Right. 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 And, uh, I also, you know, I also, I mean, Athena gets involved, right. I mean, so they're, they're having this race around the city mm-hmm. and, um, and Zeus and, uh, uh, you know, Athena are, are talking about, what's going on here. And Zeus says, uh, you know, okay, Athena, if you're so concerned, go ahead and go, go do something. And so she does. And she enters the action there. Right. So it's, it's not like she's absent. Right. Right. And, and Todd, those things, absolutely. I grant, I think that the negative space that impressed me is, is from line and listeners. These are, these are rough approximations from line roughly 100 to 150 hector is alone on the battlefield Mm. waiting for achilles to approach right and then in my uh translation long about line 156 157 uh the last line that he speaks to himself better to clash in battle now at once see which fighter zeus awards the glory and then the next line with the narrative voice all it says is so he wavered waiting there but achilles was closing on him now like the god of war, the fighter's helmet flashing over his right shoulder, shaking his Pelian ash spear. 
The terror and the bronze around his body flared like a raging fire or the rising blazing sun. And then here's the line that struck me. Hector looked up, saw him, started to tremble, nerve gone. He could hold his ground no longer. He left the gates behind and away he fled in fear. And Achilles went for him, so on and so forth, right? So again, in other scenes, you know, where the Trojans are about to burn the ships, but then the Achaeans push back on them, a lot of times there'll be a, and Poseidon gave them strength in their hearts, or and Athena gave them, you know, strong arms to swing their spears. Here, it's just Achilles and just Hector, right? And later on, I grant the gods get involved, but like I said, I almost expected Zeus to reach down and say, all right, I'm going to turn off Hector's courage here. But that never happens, right? It got turned off, but it wasn't by action of Zeus. As well. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, I mean, I you know, it, in this moment, it strikes me as a very different kind of episode than what we've seen before. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. So as I, as I go back to sort of Hector's inner dialogue, uh, you know, where he does say, look, I, I am kind of, I am kind of stuck, right? I could sit down my shield and, and helmet and spear against the ramparts and go out and offer Helen back and say, look here, you can have her back and, and, and whatnot, or I go out and fight either way. I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And eventually, you know, like I said, in his speech to himself, he's going to fight. But then when he right. stops talking to himself, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Jay, what else is there to say? I mean, you, you, I, I, I can't tell if you are pondering my theory or if you're dissatisfied well, think, with my theory I, I or what. Con- <laughs> no, I was, I was somewhat confused when you started to talk about the negative space. And then as it went on, I think you touched on a question I wrote down, which was, why does Hector flee? He is the only Trojan to stay outside the gates. He knows who he's going to face. And then when push comes to shove, he runs. And I guess that was the question that I had. So I was just tying it in that you and I were kind of wondering the same thing, just asking it different ways. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I wonder, uh, and again, I mean, you know, this is part of what makes Homer so cool as a poet, right? Uh, Does Homer mean for us to infer some kind of invisible divine activity here? Uh, Or again, I mean, you know, is this a different kind of episode so that, you know, I mean, I mean, for instance, like Todd already said, when Achilles actually kills Hector, there's like four gods involved, right? Uh, But when Hector flees, there's none involved. Uh, And honestly, I don't even know what kind of question to pose about that. I just know that it struck me. Hmm. (laughs) And I think it struck Jay, too, because, I mean, the... (laughs) <laughs> the, the poem, which, you know, generally has a god up its sleeve to explain the random turns of battle, here mm-hmm. doesn't give us one. Well, there's this interesting, uh, and I think this comes in book 20, um, this whole discussion about, no, is it 20? Uh, there's, of course, it could be far, much farther back. But there's this discussion about whether we should allow Achilles to go on his own, because if he goes on his own... Uh, he'll he'll die and um you know i i think the question is is achilles versus hector on their own as men um going to be decisive or does it need to be achilles and his gods plus hector and his uh and you know uh, you know zeus yeah zeus in a speech this must be from the very beginning of book 20 um where Zeus, you know, is sort of leading us to the point where actually we're we're gonna we're gonna now join in this battle, uh, we gods. Um, there is this discussion about whether Achilles can handle it on his own. Right, right. I mean, it's interesting throughout the poem. I mean, there seem to be these sort of fixed points that not even the gods can alter. Right. I mean, mm-hmm, Achilles right. is going to die on the fields of Troy. Not mm-hmm. even Zeus can keep that from happening. Right. Uh, and likewise, Achilles is going to kill Hector. Not even the gods can keep that from happening, right? And it's interesting because, I mean, the Hector doesn't die while retreating, right? Eventually he does make his stand 
and mm-hmm. it, it ends with a spear fight, you know, like you would hope it would. Mm-hmm. But you do have this weird moment of flight that, you know, like Jay noted, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it leaves a giant question mark in the narrative where Homer doesn't normally leave a question mark. Yeah, that spear fight is kind of interesting, right? I mean, this is uh, actually the spear fight that's interesting is one we didn't talk about where the the guy throws two spears at once. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> because he was ambidextrous, of course. Um, yes. But, you know, this is the, the you know, in this one. Um, uh, you know, Hector launches his and it strikes the shield. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I've got it backwards. Um, yeah, Achilles, Achilles, throws first. Achilles throws first and misses. And Athena yeah, jumps ducks. in. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and Athena goes and grabs it unbeknownst to Hector and gives it back to back to Achilles. Um and, you know, then, then, you know, Hector throws and it bounces off and Hector says, I'm lost, more or less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which I thought it was kind of kind of uh, kind of amusing. Well, and then you get, you know, this this trope that, you know, inhabits so many fantasy stories now where Achilles has to find the one spot that will kill Hector. Right. <laughs> so it's funny. I mean, you know, in later myths, you know, with Stadius in the second century A.D., there's only one spot that can kill Achilles, but in this poem, there's only one spot that can kill Hector. And, you know, Achilles finds that one spot, drives his spear in, you know, we get blood exploding out of his throat and all those kind of lovely <laughs> Homeric, you know, blood and guts combat stuff. In, in fairness, though, he's searching for the one spot because of his armor, not because he's been made immortal by his mother. Oh, potato, potato. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's where you kill a wild turkey, right? You shoot for the neck. So. (laughs) Neck, head, whatever. Hector as wild turkey. There's an undergrad paper here. Wild turkey means something different. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's probably already been written. Well, they, I, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. The the face that launched what? No, anyway. I am curious about two moments of utterance in this scene, though. And I, I want to hear you guys uh, comment on both of them. One of them is the curse of Hector. Uh, when he knows he's dying, I mean, what he says to Achilles is functionally, you are going to die on these fields, and it's not going to be a great fighter who kills you, but it's going to be Paris, who this whole poem I've been calling a coward. Um is that a magic spell? Is that an insult? I mean, what kind of utterance is that? It's the it, it's it's the last recourse of a dying man, right? I mean, it, it seems to me it's just, this is all I got now, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this this last thing at you because I can't hurt you any other way. So you don't think that this has any kind of efficacy on its own? He's not making circumstances so that Achilles is going to die. By Paris's I, hand, because I, I I'm torn good, because yeah, it, I mean it's kind of like the magic handkerchief in Shakespeare's Othello, right? I mean, is it actually making things happen or is it a MacGuffin? And I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. And what do you got, in, Jay? In the translation that Todd and I are using, it's almost like um like Hector equivocates because he says, "For I might mm. be made into the gods' curse against you." You know, he, he tells, and he even starts out even before that, be careful now, for I might be made into the God's curse upon you. Oh, that's that interesting. When Paris and, Fo- and um, Apollo destroyed mm. it in the, and I can't, I'm, it's been years since I had any Greek, Skyian, <laughs> whatever. I, I, I'd say Skyan, but Skyan. I, I think that, I think that's my Latin creeping in there. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all, for all your valor. So. Oh, that's interesting. I wish I had the Greek text in front of me because Fagel's translation doesn't make that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make that ambiguous at all. But now beware or my curse will draw God's wrath upon your head. Mm. So listeners, I mean, in that way, at, go, at the very least, it's at the very least, it's a taunt. You know, that the yeah. the that that, you know, weakling Paris will take down mighty Achilles. Mm. Oh, it's definitely that to be sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I had I had, I look back now and I had written down omen question mark uh, next to that next to that line. So I I guess I did have the same question as you uh, did, Nathan. Well, listeners, I mean, first of all, if you've got the Greek text of uh, Homer in front of you, listeners, let us know whether that is a conditional or an indicative, because that matters. The other thing, and this goes back to a conversation we had earlier, guys, uh, you know, this is Achilles on his own, and yet, uh, long about, and let's see here, and I I didn't jot down the line number, just the page number, so I've got to find it here. Down to the ships we march and bear this corpse on high. We have won ourselves a great glory. We have brought magnificent Hector down, that man the Trojans glorified in their city like a god. Mm. So, uh, again, the question that I have is, you know, to what extent can we take Achilles seriously here, since he has been the lone wolf for 20 books at this point? And to what extent, you know, is this Achilles making a bid to, you know, uh, I don't know. What, what is Achilles doing here, Jay? Help me. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's what he's doing, and I don't want to spoil the, the last two books. Too much, but, you know. It's 3,000 years we, old, Jay. <laughs> I know, I know. But we don't... Yeah, I, I think I talk about this back in, you know, the episode one of, of, this, of this show, that... I've had family get upset with me for spoiling history before, so it's just become second second nature. Nice. Um, but we don't get the fall of Troy in the Iliad. It's almost assumed. And I think one of the reasons we don't get the fall of Troy is that Troy falls with Hector. So when he's saying we, it's not just we defeated Hector. He's also saying we've defeated Troy in defeating Hector. Mm. Almost the same. Oh, that's and, a good reading. I like that. And mm. and we get something similar. And I don't know if they talked about it in um, when they discussed uh, book 17, I think it is. You know, we, we talked about Achilles' death, but we don't get Achilles' death in the Iliad either. Right, and right. Part, and part mm. of that is because we get it with the death of Patroclus back in book 17. So we have these stand-ins for other for other events that Homer's audience would have been well familiar with. All right, all right. Todd, anything to add? Yeah, no, I, I so I do see a triumphalist kind of uh, kind of turn here with those words uh, that you that you that you quoted. Um you know, he references, at least in, in Lattimore's words, uh, the glorification of, of Hector as though he were a god by this city, and Hector is done, and therefore the city is done. Um, so I, I, I read this for sure as a, um, you know, basically our job is finished. We're done. We have won, and we will now return uh, with the spoils of with the spoils of war. So, um and I don't, you know, I guess I, I guess I just I underlined that three times uh, the wheeze there, um, and you know I, I guess I didn't read that as unexpected. Okay, so like, what 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 made you expect it then? Oh no, well no, because because Hector was the last stand. It, it seems, okay, I got you. Okay, okay. You know, he is he is the last defense, as it were. Everybody else is huddled in the city. He has refused on his honor to go and 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 fight from within, despite the fact that that Priam has urged him to come in and fight. And you could defeat Achilles from in here. And so, in 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 you know, in my reading of it, I guess you know this is it. You know, once Hector's done, it's over. Um. And so, so yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, he's avenged, he's avenged Patroclus. He is, you know, uh, finished off the one man willing to stand outside the ramparts. And, um, I see this as, you know, again, I know what's coming too. So maybe I'm reading it a little bit too, um, too final, you know, as being too final at this point in time, but that's, that's how I responded. Yeah, but the 8th century BC audience also knows what's coming. So hey, I, well, that's... I, Yeah, I'm not, well no 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 no, I'm saying that that I don't think that makes it an invalid reading by any means. 
Is there such a th- is there such a thing as the royal we in Greek? Oh no, that I don't know. I mean, where certainly he be, where he could be referring to himself in that manner. Oh, I yeah, I don't even know if that's a possibility in Homeric Greek. So once again, listeners, uh, those of you who are classicists, you know, chime in. Uh, we are, of course, amateurs taking this on, but that's what we do here at the Christian Humanist Radio Network. We do amateur intellectual activity. <laughs> I want to turn to the laments here at the very end uh, before we turn this over to the uh, final uh, runner of this relay race. Um, you know, we get, like I said, almost a liturgical finish here. Uh, and, you know, we get the mother's lament from Hecuba, which always makes me think of uh, Act Two of Hamlet. Uh, we get the lament of Andromache, which for my money was a lot more affecting than Hecuba, simply because you have that narrative lead up where she is weaving at her loom and the news comes to her and you watch her as the news comes to her that Hector has fallen. Uh, and then the last word uh, is not Hector. It is not Troy. It is the name of Andromache's son. You know, that is the name that's shouted over and over at the book of, at the end of book 22. Um, I, I'm going to hand this over to you two. I mean, you know, what, what, do, what do you want our listeners to take a look at in these final laments? Todd? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, the thing that, the, I guess the, the word that struck me, uh, the line that struck me is the line that ends, and the boy is only a baby who was born to you and me, the unfortunate. Um. You know, it, I, 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 there was a, I, I don't know, there was just a very human moment at this, at this, uh, at this point. Now you go down to the house of death in the secret places of the earth and left me here standing, oh, sorry, left me here behind in the sorrow of mourning, a widow in your house. And the boy is only a baby who was born to you and me, the unfortunate. You cannot help him, Hector, anymore since you are dead. Um, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's this speech and, you know, I, I don't know why that struck me as a father, I suppose that struck me, but you know, I, 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 it's, it's just a, it's a very, it's, it's very much of a human pause in the midst of this, you know, otherwise, you know, battle action drama, you know, uh, blood guts and whatnot. And you have, you know, uh, you have her left behind as it were, lamenting this um, state of affairs. And it just, I don't know, it just stands out to me and, you know, as something completely different. Jay? Okay, so this is strange, but I was wondering why, why we got these lamentations rather than you know, finishing mm-hmm. with a victory speech by Achilles, <laughs> and all and all that I could come up with was was that um, that one scene from Conan the Barbarian that one of the greatest things is to hear the lamentations <laughs> of of one's of uh, I know exactly the scene. Women. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I always have that YouTube clip loaded up when we uh, do Plato's Republic, and we ask, "What is the best thing in life?" <laughs> precisely for so, that for that line preview coming attractions next book that we do right yeah there we go there we go <laughs> well guys uh is there anything else in uh book 22 or in book 21 that uh you know we've uh, we've flown over that you want to dwell on for a bit before we wrap up i you know um one thing i always i i i, I always appreciate is the the <laughs> The existence of trash talk three thousand years before, uh, before we have it uh, on the athletic field, uh, and some of the ways that that the uh, the opponents are are uh, <laughs> verbally abused, um, just you know, is is a moment for me of humor, and maybe it shouldn't be humor, um, but a uh, lot of lot of. A lot of calling uh, 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 each other dogs and what dog flies or whatever. What sense that? Uh, 
But um, and, and even the gods get into trash talk too with uh, you know shameless hussy line and what have you. <laughs> Jay, I'm always fascinated by the detail that Homer puts into just exactly how how Achilles humiliates Hector, mm-hmm. and it, hmm. it takes a great and he takes great pains to say that he pierced him in the tendon between the between the uh, <laughs> the ankle and the heel. Which, yeah, isn't that now the Achilles tendon? It is. Yes. It is. Although <laughs> I, I thought so, but it's just like, yep. I don't know. I just like that. That's good. That's good. Well, listeners, I do thank you for uh, downloading. I thank you for listening in. Hopefully, you've been reading along with Homer as we've been rolling on. Uh, as I said before, uh, we're gonna hand it off to. Uh, Michael Farmer and a couple friends, I, I forget precisely who, but you'll hear when you download uh, the next episode of, Co- not Common Core, that's that's something else, isn't it? Something uh, completely different. <laughs> core Curriculum. When you download the next episode of Core Curriculum, thank you.